Welcome to the DermVet Podcast. I'm Dr. Ashley Bourgeois, a board-certified veterinary dermatologist practicing in Portland, Oregon with Animal Dermatology Clinics. I'm also a mom of two, just trying to find the balance like everyone else. Let's learn to ditch the itch, cytology, everything, and make derm more fun than frustrating. When do you do it? When do you take a case you're seeing in the clinic and refer to a dermatologist. When do you actually make that recommendation that this pet needs to see somebody else to manage their skin or their ear disease? I get asked this question a lot and it's not a super straightforward question to answer because as everything with dermatology, it really depends. It really depends on the client. It depends on the pet. It depends on the practitioner's comfort level with managing chronic dermatologic disease. But I wanted to give just a little, um, a little synopsis, a little preview of what I would suggest are reasons that a pet should be referred to a dermatologist. But my caveat is it really can depend. Um, because there are some general practitioners who are very comfortable with dermatology um, based on their training, based on their interest level, um, compared to some who might not be as interested in it and have other passions within our field. There are also going to be some owners that are willing very early on in a pet's dermatologic disease to be referred, um, and some won't ever be able to be referred for various reasons. I also know that depending on where you live, there might not be availability of a dermatologist that's realistic for your owners to go to. But luckily, in a very virtual world we live in, there is the ability to do teleconsultation with dermatologists throughout the country. Um, So if you don't have a dermatologist near you, I, I definitely recommend looking into that as an option because there's many different platforms that can provide really good dermatology consultation. Um, So let's start out with the first reason that you should consider referring to a dermatologist. And I really think this is a big one. It's probably one of the main ones um, that we see referred to us. But I honestly wish we saw these cases earlier. And that is when we start having a pet who is having recurrent infections, not responding to things. And not responding to things could include antipyritics or anti-infectives. And in a world where we live with lots of scary things like methicillin-resistant staph, pseudonermedius, pseudomonas otitis, we end up in that position based on some of the chronic uses of antimicrobials, based on not controlling the underlying disease process and potentially not getting aggressive enough with these cases um, by doing the allergic workup earlier on. So if you have a pet you're managing and they are starting to get recurrent infections, not just one infection a year, but every other month they're breaking with some sort of infection, that we use certain great medications and they're not responding like we would suspect um, that a dog that has typical allergies should respond. If we're having to reach for numerous antibiotics, if we're having to ask the owners to bathe all the time, daily, bathe with bleach because we have infections that aren't responding, I definitely think these are one of the top reasons that we should be referring to referring to a dermatologist earlier because we can get held, uh, get in hand at some really difficult cases with really limited options and frustrated owners. 
And we start dealing with things like recurrent or chronic ear infection, that owner gets really frustrated. Um, sometimes, even from an emotional standpoint, it can be really beneficial for that owner to hear from someone else, another veterinarian, um, a specialist, to confirm the diagnosis. Like, yes, I, I believe you guys have been on the right track, that we are dealing with a pet that has atopic dermatitis. Um, here's some things that we can potentially change. Um, here's some proactive things we can do for maintenance therapy, because this is going to be a chronic disease that your pet is always dealing with. We're not going to be able to stop therapy um, in order to control this. And we're going to have to do more aggressive things like frequent topicals. And sometimes just having another person go through these steps, maybe say it in a different way, can be really beneficial. But sometimes I think that these cases get sent to us a bit too late when we're already with dealing with really nasty um, cultures, we want to be as proactive as we can be about these cases. If we start getting recurrent infections, even within a few times within a year, I really would recommend referring because we don't want to get to the point that there's edematous, stenotic, um, otitis, calcified otitis that's irreversible and we end up having to go see a surgeon, um, really scary skin lesions that get really resistant and do require things like, you know, topical bleach, um, which can be really cumbersome for the owner. We want to make sure that we're preventing that by working up the underlying cause. So recurrent infections doesn't mean that it has to be nasty infections that are happening every single month. It can just be we are starting to get these infections more and more. Before this gets really bad, I would recommend referral to a dermatologist, maybe just to confirm what we're doing is the right path, or maybe they'll have ideas of other things that we can do in order to better control this chronic disease that your pet has. So number one, if we have a case with recurrent infections or not responding to certain medications. Number two, abnormal lesions, lesions that do not look like the typical dermatologic lesions you see in the clinic. So think of a pet whose nasal planum is starting to depigment. They're getting nodules on their body. Their mucous membranes are becoming erythematous. There's ulcerations um, because we likely are not dealing with allergies at all. And we might be dealing with some very bizarre, strange autoimmune diseases or even neoplastic diseases like epitheliotropic lymphoma. And what's difficult is some of these cases may seem to respond to initial treatments, especially things like corticosteroids. But in order to get an appropriate diagnosis, in order to give an appropriate prognosis to the owner um, of what the rest of that pet's life could look like, um, as far as treatments that may have to be given, follow-up that has to be given, we want to make sure owners have all of the information so they have an expectation of what that pet is dealing with and what treatment options there are. Certainly, if we have a really difficult pemphigus foliaceous case, um, we may need to reach for things like azathioprine or mycophenolate that wouldn't be things we'd reach for a typical atopic dermatitis dog. So when you see these cases, if something just doesn't feel right, something that you don't typically see, we're not just a pet with moderately erythematous paws, our nasal planum is depigmented, we're getting ulcers throughout the body, we're getting nodules, um, then definitely a referral. So diagnostics can be done. So more aggressive treatments can plans can be done will be really beneficial in those cases. Number three, 
proactive owners. If you have owners that are really interested in the idea of allergy testing, and I would suggest having like a handout you can give owners of pets with allergies of what immunotherapy is and how it works and kind of the goals of that. Um, I always like to tell general practitioners, I don't need to just see the train wrecks. I can see some of these young pets that are just starting to have allergies with proactive owners that are willing to pursue allergy testing so that we can have more success with these cases, we can desensitize them earlier on, and that we can make sure that we um, get a handle and get a control on them and prevent some of these allergies from worsening. We know that immunotherapy is one of the only uh, treatments that can help reverse the pathogenesis of that disease process by desensitizing the immune system to what the pet's allergic to. But immunotherapy is something that you want to have a lot of comfort with managing. Um, it's complicated. It's not a straightforward dose for a particular pet size. We often have to change based on how the pet's reacting. We have to manage through the flares that are inevitably going to happen with any allergy pet. Um, and we have to know what success looks like. Success may not be that that pet is just on immunotherapy within a year. Success may be that pet still needs other good anchor treatments like cytopoint injections in the spring, but overall we've seen things like less infections and maybe less dependency on certain medications. But making sure that we can communicate with owners about that and set up expectations is really important. So if you have proactive owners that are looking for those options, that long-term mindset, um, those are some of my favorite clients to see. The ones that are doing well, but they just really want to pursue something like allergy testing. Um, and then finally, number four, if we feel like more than one anchor treatment is required to manage these this pet's paritis. So if we don't feel like just one medication and we've, we've managed things like say infections or other flare factors, but if something as a monotherapy, like if it's not controlling that pet and they're a bit more complicated, um, then that's definitely a good case to refer to a dermatologist because there can be other things through the multimodal approach we can do, whether it is talking about topical therapy, epidermal barrier, um, whether it is saying, hey, we really need to get your pet desensitized um, for that long-term control. Um, these can be really involved in complicated cases, and we want to manage that paritis and those symptoms so we don't end up on that long road of frustrated clients with recurrent and resistant infections. And when we're starting to require more than one anchor treatment, those are more difficult cases and ones that definitely require um, a lot of expertise and a lot of guiding for the owner because they're not straightforward. And we wanna make sure that we're providing that long-term care and explaining things like the risk of resistant infections if we don't. So just to recap, and there's more beyond these four, but I think these are some of the top reasons to consider referral. Um, number one, the most common one, if you're dealing with things like recurrent infections, whether that's otitis or skin, and um, we're not responding to anti-infectives or lack of response to traditional antipyritics. Number two, we're seeing very abnormal lesions, things like depigmentation of the nasal plenum, um, paw pad disease, mucous membranes, nodules on the trunk, ulcerations, things that are not classic for allergies and we might be dealing with something different like an autoimmune or neoplastic disorder. 
Um, number three, proactive owners. Um, doesn't have to be a train wreck. Um, owners that are just uh, really proactive, want to attempt desensitization, um, want to really get on that long-term um, therapy and um, just getting them to have a discussion with a dermatologist of what that looks like. And then number four, if we're getting to a point then that more than one anchor treatment is required. Um, so we can really hone in on the multimodal approach and make sure that that pet is well managed um, for the rest of their lives. So we can prevent things like those nasty infections. This podcast was sponsored by Zoetis. Zoetis is dedicated to changing the way we approach canine paritis to protect the bonds between the pet, the owner, and the veterinary team. Visit signsofstrongerbonds.com for more information.